Welcome to the Dividend Cafe, financial food for thought. Hello and welcome to today's COVID and markets. This is David Bonson. I am the Chief Investment Officer of the Bonson Group. We're doing this as part of our Dividend Cafe podcast, just a quick daily missive on all things COVID and markets. The market rallied quite a bit today. Uh, we had had two roughly 500, 600 point down days the last couple of days, and today the market was up 450 points. Oil prices were up 22% off of their very low level, mind you. Um, but at least the kind of fiasco of the last couple of days around delivery, storage, and a lot of these sort of technical issues is is beyond us uh, for now. And uh, in turn, uh, the futures market uh, captured you know a lot of the gain that uh, both oil and and particularly equities saw today. So by the time we opened, we were already up a couple hundred points. Stayed in a range between 250 and 500 on the day. And then closed at 450. So came gave up some of our high on the day in the final 10 minutes of trading. Speaking of those market technicals, I, I remain of the view in the short term that uh, volatility is more likely than not, um, and that longer term fundamental strength will will take over, and that will have both good and, and bad associated with it once we get more clarity on on the economy uh, post COVID. Um, but there's a chart at covidandmarkets.com today just kind of indicating the the pattern that's existed out of periods like this in the past, going back to 10 uh, periods in a row where following a sort of market rebound, you get ongoing volatility sometimes for 10 days, sometimes for 30 days, followed by the consolidation that leads markets more forward on a 12-month basis uh, generally very positive returns. We listed out uh, the 10 biggest, uh, most consequential movements like this in history, the 10 largest 20-day percentage moves. And in all 10, the market was meaningfully higher nine months later. In 80% of the time, it was up four months later. So there's a good indicator around this directionally, but of course, past performance is never solid proof of what will happen in the future, but it's worth looking at the sort of technical aspect um, that we list in covidmarkets.com today. Uh, on the health front, which I think is one of the more important factors in our daily missive, uh, case growth actually ticked up a bit on Tuesday, although there was a big disconnect between a couple of the reporting bureaus that we track. And so we'll have to kind of see if it levels out there tomorrow. There's some anomalies that have been consistently found on Tuesdays. I don't know why that is. Uh, but the rate of growth has shrunk in 46 out of 50 states. It's utterly collapsing in New York as our hospitalizations. So we definitely see a lot of positive data, but the most positive data of the day just literally came in five minutes before I, I was uh, ready to record this, that we have tested uh, over 311,000 people today, which would basically be, not exactly, but very close to double our record. You know, we've been testing 130, 140,000. We've had a couple days that got higher in the 160s, 180 one day, but 311,000, there, there could very well be a sort of anomaly in this state as well, but my point being, Really, really big move up in what we're tracking here today. Uh, FDA did approve for home testing use a, a product from a company called LabCorp, whereby um, at a doctor's order it can be uh, sent. Consumer pays $119, 
and they believe that accuracy or reliability has been just as strong as the more formal tests people are going to hospitals and doctor offices to take. Uh, it's still then sent to a lab, takes a couple of days to get results, but the point being that it enables sick or at least symptomatic people from exposing healthcare workers and should very much speed up uh, the process for results as well as the volume of tests that can get generated. In, in terms of the um, just kind of general medical update, uh, there's a tri-state hospital's data I've been following every day and, and found it fascinating that they announced yesterday their entire COVID unit. And again, this is right there in the heart of New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. Uh, the entire COVID unit has been converted back to a clean unit. So purely out of the fact that data has improved so much. Um, there is another clinical trial that's been approved for a vaccine uh, beginning out of Germany connected to Pfizer. So uh, we're trying to track all the different vaccine efforts that are out there. Some of them continuing to show promise, receive backing, have various governmental support, all of which is is really important to the eventual uh, finding of a, a vaccine that can be used for widespread distribution. Politically, the House um, is expected to vote tomorrow on the CARES Act extension. The Senate, of course, voted yesterday and passed it because they do believe that there's a certain congressman who's going to demand a roll call vote. Uh, they're going to need 215 members there uh, to satisfy quorum, and they're working on a way they can go about doing that via proxy and so forth. So I'll, I'll, it, it's kind of a big point that bill is going to pass. And, and I, as I you know, shared yesterday at COVIDandmarkets.com, uh, you're talking about an additional $470 billion of stimulus, uh, largely reloading the Paycheck Protection Program. But then you also have uh, a lot of talk now, coming from POTUS himself yesterday in the presser, Secretary Mnuchin uh, uh, reiterating their desire for a fourth kind of a 4.0 bill uh, that would be much bigger, much larger, um, you know, larger than the 2.2 trillion one from a few weeks ago and the 450 billion one from yesterday. So um, infrastructure uh, support to the entire restaurant industry. Uh, the Democrats certainly want direct state and local support. Uh, I believe they're going to ask for unemployment extension, uh, the Republicans are talking again about a payroll tax cut, which would be very stimulative on the supply side. Uh, they want liability protection for employers to be able to really, you know, open up the doors to get their work uh, re going up again. Um, so there will be trade-offs. There will be back and forth. But this one is just simply, in my opinion, not going to happen quickly. It's going to be more traditional in the horse trading and in the longer process by which legislation generally gets done, unless it's in a crisis or emergency. We're in a crisis, but I don't think this particular bill is looking to band-aid some of the more urgent and time-sensitive aspects. So we shall see. Uh, I would add, by the way, speaking of emergencies, that I was shocked how many today were already talking about this second round of Paycheck Protection Program running out of funds uh, when it hasn't even been approved yet by the House. And, and so they they took what was a $349 billion bill. They're adding another $250 billion to it, excuse me, over $300 billion to it, um, and already talking about that being potentially drawn down. 
but the Paycheck Protection Program itself, when you look to kind of round one, I think some of the data is quite interesting. 13 days, they gave away $350 billion to 1.7 million different borrowers. It was an average of $206,000 per loan. Construction was the sector that received the most money, but that was 13% of the total. So it sounds like it was pretty broadly sector diversified. That is more money in less than 14 days than the SBA has processed in the last 14 years cumulatively. Uh, 74% of the loans were for less than $150,000. And the amount of lenders that participate in the program was just a tad shy of 5,000 lenders. Um, and, and a very large percentage of those getting their SBA 7A certification uh, after CARES Act had passed in order to be eligible to help with the program. Um, but, but, but oil and energy, I do have a whole section of COVID and markets. I won't bore you podcast listeners with the role that ETFs trying to trade on the price of oil, oil itself trading as a spot futures product. So you basically have an ETF that is attempting to match up to a futures contract where you're supposed to be basically taking delivery. Of course, most people sell the futures before that happens. But the point is that mismatch of what is effectively an asset and a liability inside an exchange traded fund. Um, I think is really significantly involved in the disaster that was this week of basically, you can call it oil prices trading negative, but it's a really silly way to say it. it oil prices did not trade negative as much as storage prices went through the roof. That's the far more accurate way to put it. And that, of course, happened in the sense that there was that extra uh, amount of oil and so many buyers that were not physical oil buyers. They were in a different uh, agenda or or if they were physical they didn't have a place to to put the oil and and so the role of these etfs trading in the instrument um really had a lot to do with it and i think i unpack it at COVID markets in a way that will make sense the energy sector has been the top performer in the market the last 20 days now up uh, over 38 percent after today um, just simply fascinating based on all of the, the conversation. Uh, healthcare and real estate, by the way, are second and third, right? They're near 30% in the last couple of days as well. Uh, excuse me, last couple of weeks. Um, as it pertains to housing, uh, the mortgage servicers are certainly separate from the general housing industry. And I want to continue monitoring where things stand with the federal support to the servicers out of FHA, where the Fed will play in, where DOT is is advising. Uh, but that trickle-down effect that has led to a freeze-up in credit in the jumbo market has certainly had a huge impact to the high end of the market. And if it, if it stays that way, I think it will continue to. Um, but again, I don't think the March sales really tell us anything. An 8.5% drop was really referring to... Um, escrows that were opened in late January, early February. So to see the numbers that were kind of pertinent to everything that was happening in our country in the month of March, that was really what will be coming out in April. So we'll get more look at that number tomorrow. Um, finally, I just thought there's a chart at, at uh, excuse me, covidandmarkets.com if you're interested, but it's uh, a grid of every single state in the country and the amount of reservations made at opentable.com 
at restaurants for every state from April 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th, all the way through April 18th. And it just shows year over year a negative 100% for every state for every day of the week at open table, except for Kentucky, which just so happened to only be down 98%, 97%, one night only 95%. <laughs> and I, I, I understand actually what's really behind all this is not funny at all. It obviously points to the other utter disaster that our retail and, and restaurant food and beverage industries are in right now. But I just thought it was a really stark sort of uh, pop on the screen. Uh, this sort of, you know, apparently a couple of people in Kentucky getting a reservation at a restaurant last week. Um, all right. Please uh, look at COVIDandmarkets.com. Reach out with any questions. And thank you for listening to our quick summary here on the COVID and Markets podcast of The Dividend Cafe. Thank you for listening to The Dividend Cafe, financial food for thought. The Bonson Group is registered with Hightower Securities LLC, member of FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there's no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced here will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance is not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinion, news, research, analyses, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. The team at Hightower should not be in any way liable for claims and make no express or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information or for statements or errors contained in or omissions for the obtained data and information reference herein. The data and information are provided as of the date reference. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed solely those of the team who do not represent those of Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates.